I'm going to also take a second to tell you all about one of our show sponsors. That's Norse Fire Equipment out of North Dakota. Whenever I first started talking about having sponsors for the show, I really wanted it to be genuine businesses that are firefighter owned and operated and people that have good business ethics and have a good mission. Matt Vercota reached out to me from Norse Fire Equipment. He and I have spoken and, and talked back and forth a little bit, got to know each other. And he seems to fit that criteria. He's a full-time firefighter and founded this company in 2020 to provide a good place for firefighters to be able to get equipment that they needed to be able to do their job and have it at a good price and just good quality equipment instead of some of these places that want to sell you real cheap crap. For Y'all go over to NorseFireEquipment.com, coupon code COWBOY5. That'll get you 5% off on your online orders. All right, guys, on with the show. Hey guys, I'm going to take a second and tell you all about First Line Fire Service Training. It's a badass page on Facebook. I encourage every single one of you to go and follow them. Dennis is a retired fire chief. He's been a huge supporter of our show for since the very beginning. He's believed in Third Alarm Cowboys and our mission of making firefighters better. Dennis also has the same mission of being able to train firefighters, make them better. He's using all of his years of experience of 20 plus years, plus his military background to offer training ideas. He travels all around the country, speaking at different conferences, trying to help guys get better when it comes to their tactical ability, when it comes to their physical ability and everything in between. He's really pushing things to the limits, especially for an older guy that's retired. He's still getting up every single day putting his gear on, going out in the driveway, doing crazy-ass workouts that most of us couldn't even handle. He's still getting out there getting it done. He also does a weekly training video on first-line fire service training, offering up when every type of uh, tactical and operational skills that he's learned throughout his career through working from other people. One thing that's really impressive to me about Dennis is that he – owns the fact that most of the things that he has learned and sharing are things that he learned from other people and he's just passing that on. That's something that he and I have in common. He's taking all the information he took from his career and sharing it on to the next generation to make the next generation solid and better firefighters. That's a great mentality to have. He's the kind of guy that people should be listening to when it comes to learning about what to do in the fire service with their career, with their tactics, and with their operations. So y'all go check them out on Facebook, First Line Fire Service Training, LLC. Send Dennis a message that you heard about his business from our show. If you're putting on any kind of training conference, Dennis is the guy that you need to contact. Get him in the door and let him share his knowledge to make the people in your area that are attending the conference better. And just know that... I support his business and he supports mine. And that's the kind of people that we need in the fire service to make us all better and stronger. Dispatch to all units. This is a third alarm. Switch to the TAC channel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tech Channel. I'm your host, Heath Meredith. This is the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast. This is a podcast for firefighters. We talk about real-life situations, stuff in your station like leadership and promotions, stuff in your personal life like finances, relationships, you name it. We talk about it. Some things may be a little controversial, but that's real life, and that's what we're going to talk about on this show. 
all right guys well i'm sitting out here on the porch had a pretty uh pretty busy weekend so far i worked a little bit at the part-time rode that old boo-boo bus a little bit and uh now i'm just sitting out here enjoying a little bit of sunset i'm gonna post a picture so y'all can see kind of what i look at in the evenings whenever the uh the weather's good and and you got good clear skies to be able to see uh just the the beautiful picturesque and uh sunsets that we get to enjoy here in texas without all the skyscrapers and the big buildings and the lights and everything like that that's one of the best things about living in the country that you can't trade for anything is you just have great views bottom line you get to see things that most folks don't at night i get to see the stars a lot of people don't get to see the stars i mean that's just all it's part of it and that's one thing i get asked all the time you know why i don't move closer to the houston area since that's where i've worked most of my career and really that's one of the things i mean i would never trade this for being stuck in bumper to bumper traffic going and coming even if it did mean a bigger paycheck uh that's just that's how i personally feel about it and i hope that uh all of you you know that listen to the show and and like to travel one thing i encourage all of you is is go you know go to places that are out in the country go take your your spouse your your wife whatever y'all get a, a weekend go somewhere where there's a cabin or you know up in the mountains just go and enjoy and, and get out and see the vast part of this country that's not covered in fucking concrete you may gain a little bit of appreciation and understand why uh even in today's climate of, of society and culture why there is such a conflict with uh you know say our government for example where we have these big cities like los angeles and new york where majority of the politicians that are writing the rules and trying to make the rules for us on what kind of fucking trucks we can drive they're coming from these top areas trying to dictate down to little old me that you know grew up in the woods grew up working cows and and just you know i don't have a neighbor close to me for miles guys um, just from my house to my front gate of the property is almost a mile. So, and then from the front gate, it's a dirt road to the nearest blacktop road is another couple of miles. I mean, I'm almost four miles from the nearest, pretty much what you could call like a highway. And so, um, that's a blessing that I have just growing up where I did and, and, what was left to me you know throughout my family lineage and all that and i understand most people don't have that kind of blessing um <laughs> blessing and a curse because uh what a lot of people don't realize is is part that comes with this type of lifestyle is hell we don't even have trash pickup i mean i gotta haul my own trash out you have water wells we don't have access to you know i don't i didn't get my first delivered pizza until <laughs> i went to work in houston that was the first time i ever had food delivered um you know little little creature comforts like that the nearest gr real grocery store like a walmart to me is 30 35 minutes away um easily all day long that's how far we got to drive just to get groceries so it's little things like that that's a give and take you know a lot of people don't realize what the upkeep would be to live on the the size land that we live on and everything you know there is no i can't call it, there's no lawn care company that's coming and mowing this place if they did i probably could never afford them anyway so that means it's all hands on deck around the family as far as working in the yard and, and just the manual labor side of upkeep fixing fences and all that kind of stuff i know y'all have heard me talk about that a little bit on this show that's part of having cows you know my family and i we have we have cows we raise cows raise horses that whole 
whole part of uh, the ranching world, and it's a ever every day, never ending job. You have cows. One thing about a cow is they're going to find a weak spot in the fence. They're going to find a hole in the fence, and they're going to get out. That's all they do all day long is walk fence rows trying to find a spot where they could get out. Um, and so when a storm comes, blows a tree over, the cows are going to find the the tree down on the fence before you'll ever get out there, especially working like we do as firefighters. They're going to find it. They're going to get out, and then you're going to spend a day or two trying to catch them. Um, one thing about kind of my property is we're we're surrounded by national forest and, and forestry land. So it is public land in a sense when it comes to hunting. People can buy uh, special hunting permits and stuff and they can go and hunt on that but as far as it's not private property so it just is open so when the cows get out on that there's thousands of acres that they could possibly be so sometimes it takes us several days of tracking to be able to go and find the cows and then you know we're having to use our horses and and (laughs) feed buckets and everything under the sun to try to get them back and and all this that and the other and so that's kind of what we've been working on here lately we've had a couple uh good little rainstorms that have actually come through this area in the last two weeks and that's a blessing we needed it the rain is is way past due for this whole area of the country but primarily in east texas we've got none in months months and months insane drought it's been hot 110 degrees on average basically all the damn grass is burned up so the cows are hungry they're looking for shit i mean we've already been putting out hay for cows and that's normally not something we do until december uh that's just it's just the luck of the draw of this year's weather and then you know we're predicted to possibly have a really wet really cold winter so we'll see as far as that kind of shakes out but what are where i'm going with that is something that i've been really thinking about and i wanted to share with y'all because you know a lot of people in this time of of the how the country's going what we're seeing the experiences that we're seeing on tv and facebook and all this other shit of just the climate is not good no matter what side of the, the political spectrum you sit on um no matter how much money you have rich poor whatever everybody's struggling well something that i've really noticed in this area of of deep east texas is our population has exploded since covid I don't care how you really feel about it. I don't care how you feel about COVID. This is my show. I'm going to tell you straight up. During COVID, yes, it was a, it was a serious sickness. Yes, it fucked a lot of people up. I'm not taking that away. I had a, several family members that, that died from COVID, without a doubt. But there was a lot of tyrannical bullshit from every level of government, including in Texas, which we were supposed to be the most freest, badass state in the union, and our governor passed a lot of bullshit that was just i mean bottom line tyrannical ruling shit i'll never agree with it i was very vocal during covid on all the rules and the mandates and the so-called quote-unquote laws that they were throwing out and all this different stuff especially in these major cities houston being one of them houston's the area which it was one of the main medical epicenters of covid it's where a lot of research for COVID was going down. It's where they were bringing a lot of patients from around the fucking world to study them and treat them, and all this shit was happening in Houston. So it was pretty crazy as far as COVID goes in the Houston area. But the mandates, and I do not care what kind of sickness comes down, I, I will never, ever, ever, ever agree with telling free American people what they can and can't do, what they have to wear and not wear, and all that shit. I just, that, that just, to my bones, I was against about 99% of the shit that came out during COVID. If you're sick, seek treatment, 
get help, but we're not gonna we're not gonna do all the other shit that transpired during COVID to perfectly normal people to perfectly healthy people. Well, the other aspect of that was life at home for us in Deep East Texas really did not change. Well. I mean, my wife and I were dating during that time and, and engaged during that time. We traveled. We still had rodeos all over East Texas and Western Louisiana. We had, I, bottom line, guys, we didn't have really a change in our life. We still went out to eat. The restaurants didn't close down. The bars didn't close down. The concerts were still going on. Life was relatively normal besides the pot, the, the crowds were a little smaller because people weren't necessarily traveling as much as they normally do. However... One thing that did really take place post-COVID was that that lifestyle and the fact that we believed in freedom in this area, and we believed that if you were sick, you stayed your ass at home, but the rest of the world, we're going on business as usual. Shit still got to get done, kids still got to be raised, money still got to be made, and this is, this is the United States of America. Well, people have taken notice to that. So in our area, the population has grown. People are wanting to move to this area. People want the freedom. People want to be able to sit on their porch and enjoy having more than a little bitty 10 by 10 backyard to look at or a fucking little porch that they sit on right next to their... Na- I mean, people want to have some freedom. People want to have some space. People want to be able to, to live their lives and be left alone, which is absolutely what you should want. If you are an American... That is what you should want. That is the life that you were actually meant to live. I I believe that. Well, with that, you know, one thing about this area is we're limited. Like I said, it's it's 30, 35 minutes to the nearest grocery store. Uh, I mean, we have two gas stations in town. The infrastructure in small rural America is not there to support the mass population influx that's happening in a lot of these places, primarily when it comes to fire and emergency services. I work EMS here at home. You know, we're getting an, a, a serious increase in call volume, and every single time we show up at these houses, it's the same story. Oh, we just moved here. Oh, we, we've been here about a year. Well, our cardiologist is in Houston. Our cancer doctor is in Houston, but we moved up here because we are tired of living in the city. I totally understand that. Totally get that. And I agree with you. It's just one thing that I think that is missed and us as firefighters could do even at the rural level, even at the volunteer level, is do a little bit of better educating and getting out in the public and explaining to these people from the larger city areas. When you dial 911, our average in route time, not necessarily in route, but travel time, I mean, we go in route within two minutes from the station but sometimes if you live on the other end of one of these counties from where the station is it may take us 20 25 minutes to get there doing 100 miles an hour that's just a fact of geography it's just how it goes and a lot of these people they don't necessarily understand that so when they move uh primarily older folks when they move to these rural areas and they have an extensive cardiac or stroke or cancer or i mean all the different long-term medical problems and they move to these areas one thing that's not being they're not being educated on properly is the lack of resources for their medical problems that's just something that's part of it so that's something i just wanted to kind of throw out there for guys, especially you guys, because we do have a lot of guys from rural departments, one, two, three station departments that cover large areas, 
that's something that y'all should do as far as a department. Y'all need to get out, and as far as you're educating on your PR stuff, just don't focus on you know going to the elementary school and showing the lights and sirens and handing out stickers. You need to get out in your community, especially if you have a PIO or a you know public relations uh, committee, whatever it is like that, and start educating. Because if y'all's area is anything like ours, and I know it's this way, I've heard people talk about Tennessee. I've heard people talk about you know West Virginia, Florida. All these different areas that the population is growing because people are getting away from these tyrannical, bullshit, fucking mayors and governors in these large metropolitan areas. But one thing that they don't realize is it's not the same as like living in Houston. When you dial 911, there's a fire truck at your house in five minutes. That is the standard there. It's not the standard in Deep East Texas. It's not the standard in Tennessee. It's not the standard in, in rural areas of Florida. I mean, yes, of course, in Miami or Orlando, something like that. But these people people are moving to get the freedom in space. But with that also comes freedom in space. Well, the space aspect of that is it's a lot further travel time from that station to your house when you're having a medical emergency or there is a fire. That's another thing. I hear all the time guys talking, especially in this area, it's, it's a relatively new concept for ESDs, Emergency Services District. Uh, fire districts is what some people call them in certain states. That's a new idea. There's not, there is several of them in East Texas, but it really just depends on what county. Some of these counties, like where I live in my county, there is no ESDs. Our neighboring counties, there is no ESDs. They rely solely on a volunteer fire department that is funded through donations and you know fish fry, barbecues, and uh, water bill funding. Well, those days are kind of coming to an end because, let's face it, fire trucks are more expensive. The gear and requirements are more expensive. Training, of course, is insane. And so guys are going to have to start getting more uh, financing to be able to do. They need the financial means. So ESDs are kind of growing in this area. The only way that you're going to be successful on being able to make that happen and make the taxpayers that are going to be having to vote that ESD in because it's an elected thing. The people have to have to vote it, vote for it in order to add it to their taxes, something that you're going to be needing to do with that is education. With that, you also need to greatly explain that this this ESD tax that's going to be added to their um, property tax is going to allow them the ability to have the response of the proper equipment in an adequate amount of time to fight the house fire if, if it was their house on fire it's going if if ems is a part of that because a lot of ems agencies are also funded through esds but one thing i think that guys really need to focus on is that education it's the educating of of the elderly community that's moving you know say they're they've retired and they're tired they've worked in one of these big cities they're retiring they're sick of being in the city so they want to move out to the rural rural areas that we all cover whether it's for fire, EMS, or even police, that's something that needs to be educated to them. A lot of those people have no problem getting involved with the community. You know that they're moving in. You know that they're going to be going to the post office and, and registering with getting a post. If they live rural like I do, we don't even have a mailbox where I live. So I have a post office box in town. I'm sure many of you that have seen, you know, if you've ordered hats or shirts from us, you see that I, my return address is a P.O. box. That's, that is a fact of living in rural America is you don't even have a mailbox. So get with the post office and send out a flyer just saying, you know, hey, 
we this is what we're looking at this is our average response times to this different areas of the community if you live in these areas we would like to get with you and have a conversation explain to you what our services are what all we're looking to do what we can do for you what your possible needs are if they are somebody that has um you know past medical history or something like that it'd be great information for you to know if you're looking at it on the fire side look at it as something like building a, a pre-incident plan if it's you know your fire department that provides ems you're going out there get to know them if they may be there they're going to have farming equipment or they're going to have um livestock whatever all the multiple different things that can go along getting to know them and what they have you're being a good neighbor that's ultimately what it comes down to. You're being a good neighbor that if they have an emergency, you're going to be providing them a service to help them during their time of emergency. But you're also being a caring neighbor, which is what it's all about living in rural America, guys. I can't tell you all. My neighbors around here, they save our ass all the time, especially when it comes to the cows. They'll, they'll call us. They text either me, my brother, my wife, or my sister-in-law. They say, hey, we think, we think your cows are out. Send us a picture of them, whatever. And they're like, hey, don't worry about it. You know, I, I, my neighbor ac across the fence on the other, uh, other side, he, he's caught them for us a couple times. He's got a real good feedlot, and he'll take a bale of hay and stick it in the feedlot for us. All the cows go in there. He's like, hey, I got them caught up. They got water and hay till you get home from the fire department. Don't worry about it. They're good. They're safe. They won't be getting out into the road and causing a problem. And that's just what we do. That's what we do as good neighbors. That's what you do as being part of the community. That's what this country was founded on. That is the true being an American and caring what it was all about and doing the right thing, which is what I was raised with. That's that's the characteristics that I was taught from, from birth, basically. Now, we have this huge push in society, and it's happening in the fire service of you know, fuck everybody, I'm out for me, I'm out for me, I'm going to get mine, all this bullshit that you see all on the fucking TV, yeah, you watch out for yourself, fuck everybody else and get yours, but I, I, I'm here to tell you guys, where I live, that shit doesn't fucking work, you can put yourself on an island, but I'm telling you, your day of need will come, and you'll have fucking nobody, that's just a fact of reality. So all these people that want to bring essentially that big city mentality of fuck everybody, I'm just going to get mine, and they move up here, they're fucked. Bottom line, they're fucked. We find them five days later whenever their family from back home in the big city can't get a hold of them on the damn phone, so they call 911 to do a welfare check. You go out there and you smell them before you ever even open the door. How many of y'all made that call? I made one the other day on the ambulance. But if you're neighbors and you're being a part of the community and you're checking in and being good neighbors, you're gonna know. Well, hell, I haven't seen I haven't seen Joe in a couple days. You know, I hadn't heard from him. Better you know check in with him, whatever. And you may find them they fell down, whatever. And and if they live like I do, there is no fucking life alert, guys. <laughs> you got to have good internet to have life alert. You got to have a phone line to have life alert. We don't have either where I live. You got your cell phones, and I run everything off the hotspots on my cell phones. All this show, everything that I upload and all that shit, it's all done on my cell phone. And I would say probably 75% of our county lives that way. Very few people actually have internet like you do in the big city, uh, phone lines like you do. I mean, that's just part of it. So what I'm, what I'm highly encouraging everybody to do is get out of your own way and... Start thinking about your neighbors. We want to make a change in this country. We want to make a change in 
all of the shit that we're seeing all over fucking Facebook. I mean, we just had last night. We just had the the second presidential uh, debate for the, on the Republican side, and and it's just fucking. It's a disaster. You listen to them. There's a couple of the candidates. There's a few things that they say that I like. But overall, it's a fucking disaster. They're all out for themselves. You don't hear any of them saying, hey guys, let's all fucking pick one of us to either step up and help Trump or step up and go against Trump or whatever the fuck we want to do. But there's no camaraderie. There's no let's help the country. It's just all about what the... And I get it. It's the sales pitch because they want the high seat. They want to sit in the high throne. You know what that's comparable to, guys? The fucking fire service. How many of us in our careers have seen the same shit that we've seen on that fucking stage? We see the same shit when it comes to the fire station. You got... A bunch of fucking captains all bidding for the chief's job. You got a bunch of district chiefs all bidding for the fucking head chief job. You got a bunch of damn firemen that are all bidding trying to get the next officer spot. None of them are about helping each other. None of them are about who's actually in it that could do the best at that spot. Who is the best leader? It's just all about, well, I want the raise. I want the money. I want the fucking the clout and the power of being in that position. That's, in, that is the culture that's been happening in the fire service, and you see it. We see it clear as fucking day on Fox News watching that bullshit. And I sit there and just shake my head because I know that that is not the fucking reality. It's not the reality in the two lives the two different lifestyles that I have. The lifestyle that I live in Deep East Texas, rural America, I can't do this on my own. I can't keep this place fucking mowed on my own. I have to rely My wife tends to fucking everything that I can't touch. My brother and sister-in-law tend to everything that I can't. I don't have time for. My parents, their parents, my, my you know, my sister-in-law's parents, my wife's parents. I mean, it's it's a community that keeps this fucking place running. My grandpa, my uncle, everybody keeps this place running. There's no way that Heath could do all this shit by myself. No fucking way. It's no different in the fire station. That life that I live, that style that I live, I can't do it all. I can't do every fucking chore, do all the fucking training on my own by myself, fight every fucking fire on my own by myself, make every med call on my own by myself. It's a team there. You know, the other firefighter that rides on the other side of the pumper from me, me and him, we we look at everything as being a team. Our captain does the shit that he needs to do. You know, we come back to the station. We make sure that the truck's back in service. It's got water in it. Hose is reloaded. Tools are filled, uh, fueled and gassed up. And, you know, our batteries changed out. Air packs are full. All that shit while the captain goes in there and handles all the fucking paperwork shit. Or the EO. He goes and handles getting, getting dinner cooked or breakfast cooked and all that. Or when the captain gets done doing all his paperwork shit, he goes and starts cooking while we're making sure the truck. It's a team fucking effort. It's a team. So I live in a team at the fire station. I live in a team here at the farm. But then you watch this shit on TV and it's all me, 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 I, I, I. So I'm asking y'all, you know, what do we do? Y'all all see it. You're all suffering from the shit in the fire stations of these crews that don't operate as a team. Hell, there's crews and shifts that don't even fucking, they don't help each other do shit. They're more or less trying to set the other crew up to look like a failure 
or you're over there just trying to bid for the next fucking spot to show how you're superior to everyone else. That's the problem. So the solution is to get out of your own way and realize you cannot do it all on your own. I'm fucking 6'2", 300 pounds. I can fucking bench over 300, deadlift over 400, and I can't fucking do it all on my own. I can't go in every fucking attic on my own. Why? Because I'm too damn big. But you need to drag that fucking five inch or you need to move that refrigerator, you come to me. You need to send somebody up in the fucking attic, you go to my partner. That's how we work as a team. We handle that shit. Start looking at all that stuff as a team. Just like you do at home. For those of you that are married and you work in a fire service, your household is ran like a fucking team. If it's not, then you're probably not very successful. Especially if you have kids. When you're at work, your wife or your husband is tending to shit and handling shit. Running the kids. Gotta get them here. Gotta get them there. Then when you're off, you let your your wife or husband handle the shit that they need to and you're running the kids and doing the errands and all that kind of stuff. That's a team. You're handling the shit. Then you come back and you all have dinner together. You all talk about your days together. You all tend to the things that need to be done together when it's together time. You run that like a team? Absolutely. That's what you need to be doing. It's all the selfish, I'm going to do it all my own, I don't fucking need you, all that shit that's destroying everything. And you, you that, that fucking debate was a perfect example of it. If y'all didn't watch it, I don't care what side of the political fucking aisle you're on, I really don't give a shit. I'm just here to tell y'all. They're, they're, at this point, the political parties don't matter. We either have people that believe in America or they don't. That's it. Republican, Democrat, all that shit, at this particular moment, there's insane motherfuckers on both sides of the aisle. There is selfish piece of shits on both sides of the aisle. I personally can't, I can't get aligned with either party right now because I'm just like, who the fuck is going to write this, this fucking ship? We are so anti-American in so many different fucking ways that I don't see either fucking party. All they're wanting to do is just yeah yeah at each other. Nobody is coming. Like everybody sees the problems, but no one is coming up with solutions. Everyone's just pointing the fucking finger. So that's what I see. That's my diagnosis of of how I feel about the the current shit that we're seeing on fucking TV. But what I can say is fix your own fucking life. Fix your own crew. You could be the junior guys. I'm the fucking junior guy. This isn't coming. I'm I'm no longer an officer, so I, I don't have that clout. I don't have that fucking power. But I believe in keeping the crew as a fucking team. I believe in. I go to my senior firefighter and I'm like, hey man, I knocked out this, this, and this. Is there anything you need me to help you finish up? And he's like, no man, I got my end. Okay, great, cool. What now? That's working as a team, and I'm doing that as the fucking junior guy. He does the same thing to me. He tells me, hey, I knocked this, this, and this out. You need help with any of the stuff that you were working on? No. Boom. Done. It's a fucking team. We go to the EO. Ask the EO. Hey, man, you know, any of your shit that you need help with? Yeah, hey, I, I need to, you know, pull this line, and we just need to top the tank off, or we need to go fuel up because the guy's caught a fire last night, and the truck's not topped off. Whatever. Go do that. It's little things. Just work as a team. Open your fucking mouth up and go work as a damn team. Instead of saying, well, I'm just going to do it on my end, and if his shit ain't done, then that shit's on him and it makes him look bad. Because I, I, I want it to show that I do all my stuff, 
and make him look lesser than me. You can't fucking do that. That's what we're seeing on every aspect of fucking TV and social media right now. That is a perfect example of what we're seeing. So, like I said, that's the problem, and now I've given you all the solution. And I really hope that that resonates with a lot of y'all because I know that so many of you are frustrated, and I know that so many of you are trying to figure out what to do. Start with the little things like that. It's not going to be an overnight fix. It's not going to be something that you you may not, not ever even notice a change from it. But you just know that you're tending to yours and you're also trying to help and you're trying to bring the team together. You're trying to build a team or just make it stronger. And so you know deep down that you're handling exactly the way that things need to be done. So I'm going to switch gears just a second. I have several things I wanted to actually kind of cover on this show. But uh, first and foremost... I just want to thank all of y'all. I want to thank our, our show sponsors. And I'm going to tell y'all just a little bit about you know where we're kind of headed, what the Third Alarm Cowboys have going on. We're growing, guys. We're growing like crazy. It's actually really, truly remarkable. I look every single day, and more and more people follow the page, follow the page, follow the page. And I'm like, damn, okay. And I look on, on the, um, the analytics for this show. More people listen. I just the listenership just adds and adds and adds. More followers on Facebook. More followers on Spotify and Apple. Guys, go follow us on Spotify. Hit the hit the subscribe or follow button. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. That way, whenever I do post a new show, y'all are immediately getting notified. That way, you can listen to it. I, I love getting y'all's messages telling me that you know you listened to the show and headed into work. It got you fired up. It got you you know got you thinking got your uh, your blood flowing and and you're pumped up and ready to go and ready to get to work and and start doing things as a crew or start training or whatever it is a topic that I covered it get y'all fired up and get y'all thinking well if you're going to do that I mean <laughs> bottom line is the only way you're going to see that notification that early in the morning like most of us have to get up to get to work is by either hitting that follow or subscribe button depending on which platform that you guys listen to uh, listen to the show on so go and do that Another thing I want to tell you all about is, you know, I'm, I'm greatly excited. Just, I can't even explain to you all how excited and how just blown away that I am on the fact that First Form is sponsoring this show. I love Andy Frisella. I've been listening to his show for years. He had the number one business and entrepreneur podcast in the world with the MFCEO project. I listened to, I would say, 99% of those episodes. If I missed one, it was just because... I was, you know, just didn't didn't get to all of them. I've uh, been listening to that show for years. In 2019, he swapped over when he started seeing the political climate and the society and cultural climate of this nation changing. He swapped over to the Real AF. I encourage all of you to go and listen to that podcast. He is just as real as this show. A lot of the things that I have incorporated in my own life and in my own business and in my own career has come from information from his books or his show and all that stuff. I'm a huge follower of his. Well, he's the one that owns First Form. First Form is a 100% American-owned, pro-American company. There is none of this you know, El Cheapo China bullshit in their products and how they do things and trying to, to basically make a quick buck. The supplement company or the supplement companies across the world have always kind of had a little bit of a bad rap when it came to some of that. 
I've been in and out of the nutritional space for over 10 years. I've, uh, you know, had own gym equipment shit and done supplement sales and all this stuff for, for years. And I was always a guy that was very brand oriented, brand driven. I believed in sticking with a brand that I believed in and I've done that. There's been a couple brands throughout time that I stuck with, but things happen, things change. That one brand in particular, they changed their business model. They quit caring so much about the customers and went more corporate uh, commercialized and they just stopped caring about us little guys that were trying to use that as a way to make income and, and supplement our income as a as a small family and a small business. So that around that time is whenever I decided, you know, I'd been listening to, to the podcast. I had been a fan of First Form, but I decided I was, you know, basically free and clear now to do what I wanted to do and try uh, try out a new company, try out some new products. So I did. And really one of the first products that I tried was the post-workout recovery stack and to this day i use that the my favorite flavor of the protein is the it's the formula one protein is the root beer float i love it it's sweet it has a good sweet taste to it which i have a badass sweet tooth but that's something that's high in protein so it's not like i'm eating a bunch of sugary candy bars or something after a workout it also comes with ignition which is a fast absorbing carb i know a lot of you guys that work out firefighters you know, we're supposed to work out. Bottom line, we're supposed to fucking work out. We're supposed to be fit. A lot of us struggle, like myself. I've struggled, you know, basically throughout going through hardships throughout my life. My fitness was the first thing that, that suffered. That's just the bottom line. That was, that's just how it is. Um, I'm doing really well now. I've got my shit dialed in. I've got my hormones dialed in. And so I've been taking my products properly in the way that I'm supposed to. Well, Post-workout recovery, Formula One and Ignition, absolutely, those are my pretty much everyday products. I use those. The other main product that I use from First Form is their energy drinks. You know, I've drank pretty much every type of main mainstream energy drink that you can from the gas station or the grocery store. Some work, some don't. Some make me feel like shit. Some give me a headache. It's just all part of it. But First Form drinks, because I believe in the brand of First Form and I support that brand of First Form, that's why I gave it a try. And I like them. The flavors are good. I personally like the lemon lime one the best. I like lime flavored stuff. Uh, my second favorite would be like the orange sunrise. It honestly, it tastes like an orange soda. Uh, it reminds me of being a kid. I used to love drinking like sun kissed orange sodas and stuff like that. And that's exactly what it tastes like. It wakes me up, especially on my drive into work. I pop the top on a can whenever I leave the station, uh, coming home, or when I leave the, the front gate of my place and I'm headed to the station. It's a two-and-a-half-hour drive, so i got to do something. And that's what I drink. I don't get sleepy before lunch. It keeps me from 2.30 in the morning whenever I hit the road until lunchtime. I'm good to go and I'm rolling. And then in the afternoon, sometimes I drink another or sometimes 2.30, 3 o'clock is usually my workout time. So around that time when I start getting sleepy is when I'm taking my pre-workout from first form. And then I go work out. After workout, we're having dinner. Then I'm going to bed. And I usually drink another protein shake going to bed. That way my body has some good protein on top of dinner. Uh, after we've cleaned up the station and all that kind of stuff to, to sleep on to help my body repair, my muscles repair, and all that kind of stuff. That's my normal lowdown for whenever I'm headed to work. And uh, those are the products that I, I mean I use, absolutely use. A couple of their other products that I absolutely um, 
I believe in is their primal T, their testosterone booster. I would say 85 to 90%. I actually need to look up the stat, but 85 to 90% of firefighters have low testosterone. That's just a fact of life. It's part of what we're dealing with. Most of us are on some sort of hormone replacement therapy, which is fine, and I do that. I mean, I take I take injections for testosterone. I have no problem with that, and anybody that, that does, you know, I'm sorry, but there's just a fact of life. Go get your blood checked. I highly encourage everybody that if you're a firefighter because the four main pillars of having a healthy hormone level is sleep, exercise, nutrition, and your stress level. Well, guess what? If you're a firefighter, all four of those pillars are fucked. That's just the bottom line. They're fucked. Um, we don't get the adequate amount of sleep, especially when we're on shift. We don't always eat right because we're most of the time eating on the go. We don't always get the proper amount of workout and exercise in, whether it be cardio or whatever. We're just not getting it done the way that we truly should be as you know our human body. And then the last statistic I actually saw, I want to say it was in 2018 at FDIC. This came out. I need to refresh on this, but I will say that it's probably still pretty accurate uh, when it comes to stress level. Well, the statistic that I read said that in 10 minutes on a fire ground, a firefighter goes through mental and physical stress of a normal person's entire work week in 10 minutes on the fire ground. So if you're at a fire for an hour, your body and your mind has now endured the normal person's entire month of stress in their workplace. And we're doing it in an hour-long fire. So your, what I'm getting at is your stress level is through the fucking roof. So all those four factors completely wreck a testosterone. I would highly encourage all you to go get your labs done, get your labs checked. You know, men is who I'm talking to on this. Women too. Women, you need to get get your labs done. Check your estrogen level. Check your testosterone level. All that kind of stuff. But men in particular, we're the ones that are suffering greatly from nationwide low testosterone levels. That's a bottom line fact. And one thing that you can do if you're not somebody that wants to take injections or anything like that, First Form has a great product called Primal T. It's a testosterone booster. It's an oral. You take it. It's a capsule. I take that on top of. I can definitely feel the days that I take it when I'm in the gym, even though my testosterone now I have my testosterone level where it's optimal according to the doctor level. Um, I take that oral just to get a, a little boost, and I definitely feel stronger in the gym. I feel more endurance in the gym. I can just get one or two more reps. And I know a lot of you that work out, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some days you're just, you can't, you just, there's just a, a struggle to get those that optimal amount of reps that you're wanting to get. I take Primal T. Several of the guys I've worked with throughout the years, they've tried it. They like it. They still take it. It's a great testosterone booster, and I encourage all of you to get that. I will link those three products in this show, and all of you that are listening out there, just know that that is stuff that I actually take. I will I will start sending some pictures and posting some pictures showing y'all and doing a little bit more education on that, but I'm insanely proud to have First Form and their corporate team align with what this podcast is all about, to align with what I'm trying to do in the mission of the Third Alarm Cowboys and for them to allow me to put their brand with mine out for all of you and, and just to share. 
that they believe in first responders. They believe in being pro-American. They believe in doing the right thing and taking care of each other and being a team. And so I'm able, because that is the mission and that's the things that I truly believe in to my core, I'm able to partner with them in this business. And it allows me to you know, have additional funding for this show and for the Third Alarm Cowboys. So thank you to First Form and thank you to all of you out there. Go to the links. If that's something that you're interested in, any of those, they have a ton of other products. They have uh, badass apparel, shirts, shorts, hats, hoodies. I mean, all that kind of stuff. They're a major company. I mean, First Form is one of the largest supplement companies in the fucking nation, hands down. They're from, uh, they're out of Missouri. It's all hands-on. They don't do all the robotic bullshit like we're seeing at Walmart with the self-checkouts and all that. They're a major employer in St. Louis, Missouri. They believe in having that customer appreciation and making sure that there's a true interaction and you're not just dealing with a robot or some bullshit. They they just overall guys, their their business model is great. They treat me great. I've been taking their products for years and years and I want all of you that work out want to get high quality products and all that kind of stuff go check them out so adjusting a little bit now i'm gonna get y'all fired up i'm gonna get y'all on some shit now all right i had to get me a little drink okay this one's gonna piss some people off and that's okay i hope that it gut checks a lot of you and i hope that a lot of you understand that i'm really just wanting the best for firefighters i want the best for all of y'all and this is a problem that I'm seeing, especially in the younger generations. It's not just me that sees this. It's something that's been brought up several times to me as people ask me what to do. It's something I've seen in my personal life throughout the fire service, throughout doing training with guys and all this, that, and the other. So as we all know, training is hard. It's supposed to be hard. Training is supposed to be the time in which you have your faults it's the time in which you fail. It's the time in which you learn what your strengths and your weaknesses are and what you need to work on in order to do better whenever it's a true emergency out there and or whenever things go fucking south. Bottom line. But one thing that's being completely lost in the fire service, and I would say probably as a society, is sometimes, guys... You just got to nut the fuck up. Sometimes shit fucking hurts. Sometimes you just have to fucking deal with it and understand that you're, you literally are going to fucking hurt. This shit is going to be fucking painful. You don't have a fucking choice. There is no fucking quit. There is no out. There is no help me. There is nowhere else to fucking go but dig and find one more fucking inch, find one more fucking breath, and just fucking move forward. We're firefighters. You didn't sign up to be a fucking cheerleader. You didn't sign up to work in a fucking cubicle. You are a firefighter. Meaning, it's going to be fucking hot. You're going to be fucking sweaty. You're going to get fucking dirty. You're going to be fucking nasty. Your balls are going to be fucking sweaty. Your asshole is going to have fucking swamp ass. You're going to have every single inch of that shit. And guess what? If the job isn't over, then it isn't fucking over. 
You don't get to tap out. You don't get to say, okay, I'm done. There's nowhere to fucking go. This insane safety culture that we've had pushed down from, I'm going to fucking say it, coward, weak-ass fucking chiefs that are out there that don't know how to fucking power through. They don't know how to deal with pain. They don't know how to push through. They have pushed this shit to the point where I'm literally seeing firefighters in training, training, quit, give up. Why? It's controlled. Training is controlled. Training is a time where you can say, yeah, this fucking sucks. But guess what? There's nowhere else to go. I'm going to tell y'all straight the fuck up. My crew is phenomenal. I'm greatly impressed and I cannot tell y'all how proud I am to be on the crew of men that I work with. They're all mature. They're all professional. They're family men. I've told y'all this before. I I am greatly appreciative of what station and which crew and the shift that I've been assigned to. I don't have to deal with a lot of the, the things that I was honestly scared and nervous about stepping back to a firefighter role and the horrors that could have possibly come with that. But I will tell y'all, because they are mature and professional, they had to check me. And they're still checking me. And I want them to still check me. Because I want to grow and I want to learn more. But one thing that they told me straight up was in my first shift, you know, they put me through, I told y'all, they put me through the maze and everything like that. And, you know, a, a lot of those drills were put up and designed to beat the fuck out of you and to make you get to your breaking point and make you quit. But you have to know in the back of your mind, there's an end to this motherfucker. I don't care how big the damn maze is. Some bitch can be 100 miles long. But guess what? It's still just 100 miles long. And I say that loosely, of course. But what y'all have to understand is in training, there's an end. There is a fucking end. At some point, you, you're going to, your captain or whatever that's pushing you through this training, he's going to at some point be ready to fucking go home. He's going to be ready to go back to the station. He's going to get ready to go get something to eat or go get some water or fuck. It may be time for crew change. At some point, there's an end. So what guys are going to have to start fucking doing is, is yes, it can suck. You can be hot. You can be tired. You can be fucking hurting. The skin on your fucking knees and elbows can be fucking gone like mine was. But what you have to understand is at the end of the day, there's an end to it. There is an end. And they even told me that. Like, they, they, they flat out, they told me they tried to break me. They wanted to see just how far I was willing to go if I was, when I got in a fucking bad spot, when I got worn the fuck out, when I got fatigued, when I got hot, when I got confused, when I got lost, all those different things. They wanted to see what would happen. And yes, that's absolutely what you're supposed to do in training, especially with a new crew member. You don't know where their breaking point is. You don't know what they come from and what they do. Now, I will tell y'all, straight the fuck up, I was whipped the fuck down. I was beat the fuck down. I was sweaty. I was out of fucking air. They told me, you know, don't worry, you run out of air because I was using a training pack, so there was already an issue with the leak. So basically they told me, you know, you run out of air, just uh, unplug, keep your pat, and keep moving forward. Get to the end. So, 
I still had to keep up with my pack, still had to, you know, put it on. When I went through a fucked up obstacle that I had to take it off, I still had to put it back on, all that shit, keep up with my equipment, keep moving, blah, 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 the whole drill. But yes, I run out of fucking air. All those different things. But at the end of the day, I'm going to tell y'all. I'm going to tell y'all straight up. You have got to get in your mind and understand that sometimes quitting's not a fucking option. It's just not. I remember my grandfather, whenever I was younger, I first went to work for him. I was probably 14. We were, I went to work for him in the oil field, working on drilling rigs. And the shit sucked. The days were long. I mean, you're talking 4.30 in the morning till fucking, you know, the job was done. Sometimes it'd be 8, 9 o'clock at night. It's hot. You're out there on the rock, uh, rock location. I know a lot of you have seen pictures of drilling rigs. Well, there's no fucking shade. You're out there in it. It's hot. Summertime. Whatever, because I went to work for him during the summer between my freshman and sophomore year in high school. So it's summertime in Texas, 100 plus degrees every fucking day. Because we were welders, you're wearing a long sleeve shirt and blue jeans, hard hat or a welding hood, uh, leather gloves. It's hot. It's hot as fuck. And I was getting beat the fuck up. I mean, bottom line, I was worn the fuck out after day one. I was fucking tired. And I'll never forget, he fucking told me straight up. He said, he looked at me, he said, well, goddamn, boy, every fucking day in your life can't be easy. And that has stuck with me every single time that shit gets fucking hard. Every single time. Like in that, I'm not going to lie to y'all, in that fucking maze. I got to some points in that maze that I'm like, holy shit, this sucks. This fucking sucks. What the fuck am I doing here? Why the fuck am I doing this shit? What the fuck? And I hear that in the back of my mind. Every fucking day can't be easy. You can't get, you can't get paid to fucking sleep every fucking day. You can't get paid to fuck off every fucking day. Some days are going to fucking suck. Every day of your life can't be fucking easy. And I hear that in the back of my mind. And if some of y'all need to hear that shit, then then plug that. Put that in the back of your mind as this, you know, fucking hard-ass grandpa from East Texas used to tell his grandboy that shit when I was a teenager. And I was having to learn what it's like to be a man in the real world and work like a fucking grown-ass man in a grown-ass man job like a fucking drilling rig in the oil field. So I'm in this maze, and I'm, I'm fucking sweated down. I'm fucking hurting. No skin left on my knees. No skin left on my elbows. My shoulders fucked up because I've done all these jackknifes and U-turns inside this thing and going through 16 centers. And, I mean, for those of you that seen picture of me, I'm not a small motherfucker. 6'2", 300 pounds all day long. It's not easy. But guess what? Where the fuck am I going to go? What am I going to do? Fucking quit? Show these guys on my crew that I, I'm going to fucking quit on them when times get tough? Lose my fucking job because it's my first shift and they're putting me through the fucking ringer and I can't hack it. I can't fucking cut it. So now I have to come home and tell my wife I quit because times got hard. I quit because I got sweaty. I quit because I had a little bit of fucking pain. No. There is, there, there's nowhere to go, guys. I can't tell y'all, even whenever I was a captain, I would do drills like this rescue drill or something like that. And guys would quit. Guys would take their fucking helmet off, take their fucking gloves off, take their fucking mask off, and just fucking quit. Sit there on their knees, sit down on their fucking ankles, and fucking quit. And I'm, I'm looking at them. And I'm, try, I'm standing there coaching them, 
Just like my captain was coaching me in the maze. He's telling me. He's like, hey, you know, Meredith, you're doing good, man. You're doing way good. Like, there's a lot of guys that are a lot smaller than you that ain't even made it halfway through this far. So it's not like you're in there on your own or you got motherfuckers just telling you you're a worthless piece of shit. You got a coach right there, which is I believe in. I believe in having somebody there to help coach so that they know this is controlled. This is safe. This is just pushing you to make you better. So you're sitting there, and, and guys would still quit me. And then I know in the back of my mind when shit gets real and we're in a fire and there's nowhere to fucking go. You can't tap out in a fire, guys. When that shit's fucking burning or that shit fucking collapses on you, where the fuck are you going to go? You can't just say, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm good. Time out. There's nowhere to fucking go. You die. You die, your crew dies, the, the, the victim, patient possibly dies if, you, if you're trying to make that rescue. So what the fuck do you do? Well, I'll tell y'all what you do. You fucking dig for that one inch. Just one motherfucking inch. That's what I got. I got down to that point in that maze that I was fucking, my eyes are burning. I mean, I was beat the fuck down. And I was worn the fuck out. Completely worn the fuck out. And, I mean, they even asked me after, like, you know, what were you thinking? What was going through me? And I was like, man, I'm going to tell y'all straight up. All I could fucking do when I'm in that little fucking maze and it's, of course, you know, shoulder to shoulder, like, width around me, tight. And so I'm like, man, all I could fucking do was just dig for one inch at a fucking time. Just one fucking inch. I push forward a little bit, drag my body, catch my fucking breath. And I got slow. Like I'm gonna and and I told them I'm like you know I was worn the fuck out and I I couldn't go any fucking faster and they were like hey you didn't fucking quit even though you were worn out we could see it we could see you didn't fucking quit you got slow yeah <laughs> it wasn't damn sure it wasn't no fucking rapid rescue I can tell you that um, when I got to that point but it was just just dig just dig for one fucking inch. And where I, where I think about that is if you're making that rescue or you're on the RIT team and they send you in and then you end up getting caught in the fucking collapse, but your partner's sitting there and all you could do is you're dragging them. And yeah, you're fucking done. Your arms are done. Your legs are done. All you can fucking do is just dig for that one fucking inch. And it fucking hurts. It hurts. The pain is there. But the pain is there for a reason because it lets you know that you're still fucking moving. I'm not going to hit y'all with the old fucking movie quote of pain lets you know that you're still alive, although I'm sure all of you have heard that. But it is partially true. I mean, absolutely, it, it's true. But for me, it's it's I use it as motivation to get that one other little fucking inch. Because in the back of my mind, even though I know it's training, and I know that I'm safe, I know that the guys can get me out of, of course, this training scenario if I need to. When it comes time for the real shit, when we're fucking in a bad bind because things didn't go the way that we wanted them to go, I'm not going to be the one that they're going to find my body not trying. 
even if we've got to go down and we have to, you know, this shit doesn't work out the way we want it to, I'm going to be there trying to dig for that one inch at a time. And I would expect any one of you out there, every fucking firefighter out there, if you're wearing a patch and you're wearing a fucking badge and you walk around saying you're a firefighter and you believe in the brotherhood, then you got to be able to go after that one fucking inch. You got to be able to push through the fucking pain for that one fucking inch at a time. Especially in training. Because you know it's going to end. Training is going to, the training scenario is going to fucking end. But that real life emergency may not. And if you can't get that one fucking inch in training, you're never going to get that fucking inch in the real, in the real life situation when things are fucking terrible. So just dig down. Reach down, grab it, and go. Fight through the fucking pain. Fight through the fucking fear. You know, I, I'll be completely fucking transparent with y'all because I always have been on this show. And I believe in my in the real world too. When I was going through Fire Academy and I did my first little maze thing, I've never done anything like that shit before, ever. You know, Fire Academy for me was totally foreign you know i've been to the stations a million fucking times i've done all this shit with my family and all you know all the different things being being raised in and around a fire station is way different than going to fucking fire academy and then you're actually going through the shit scenarios where they're doing all these things to you it's totally different and i'll never forget one of the other candidates that was on my in my company you know i went to go in the maze and, and their little maze that they had at the academy it had uh, 16 centers hold just to get in the motherfucker okay i'm sure all of you have, have done the same type of scenario whatever but for me 18 year old heat or at that time i wasn't even 18 yet i was i was 17 i hadn't turned 18 yet i did after a few weeks of being in fire school but this happened to be like the first or second week of school that we were doing what they called hell week which was um bunker gear and scba training week where they basically i mean you're in gear and learning your air pack and all that shit the whole week and they just beat the shit out of you and in million push-ups and every, every time somebody's pass alarm chirps you're fucking doing push-ups and that whole nine yards and you're doing maze crawls and bunker gear drills and just all that shit i'm sure i'm sure all of you have done something very similar well we're going through the maze it's my first time to go through it and you know i, I go to climb into it or whatever and it it was I was fucking fearful because I've never done anything like this. I've never locked myself in the fucking trunk of my car trying to test myself on claustrophobia. I'm, I'm not fucking doing that. I didn't even know that that was a thing. And one of the guys I was really close with in my academy, he I remember him telling me, he's like, man, we were talking about it afterwards. So I ended up going through the maze or whatever, and and we were kind of talking as a as a company later. And I was like, man, that was fucking, that was kind of scary. Like I've never done no shit like that. That was kind of scary. And he was like, man, and he was older. I looked at him as a mentor, even though we were going through the shit together. I was seventeen, almost eighteen, and at that time he was like what I am now. He was thirty three, thirty four. He was right at the civil service cutoff age that he was trying to get into the fire service because. He had worked oil field and welding and all that kind of stuff throughout his 20s. He wanted something with a real career for his, his wife and kids where he had a stable career, stable paycheck, all that, and wanted a better quality of life for his family. But he had lived a lot of life. He had done a lot of things. And so I really looked up to him. I'm not going to lie. I looked up to him a lot. And 
So he was telling me, he's like, man, you see all these dudes running around here and they act like, you know, nothing bothers them, all that shit. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, that's that's not courage. And I was like, what do you mean? I thought, you know, courage is being fearless. He was like, no, absolutely not. He said, courage is being fearful and being afraid and still pushing through, pushing fucking forward. If you're never scared of anything, that's not courage. It's the guys that are scared. It's the guys that have fear for the outcome, but they go into it anyway. He said, that's courage. And I was like, holy shit. And that's another thing that has stuck with me forever, for all the 15 years now. Um, and he just was giving me that in a little debrief after that box. And for that point, on, I'm like, okay. So all I got, like, I know a lot of you have probably felt that. There's been training scenarios that I've done even since then where, like, right when you're getting ready to go out that door or go in that door, like, you know, like, for me, it's the repelling and all that kind of shit. Right when you go to hang over that fucking ledge, you get that little bit of doubt. You get that little bit of fear or, or adrenaline kind of spikes. You get that little bit of, shit, should I really fucking do this? What the fuck am I doing? That is your fear and your doubt trying to come in your mind. And all you got to do is just push through. You go get that inch. You go out and you you dig for that fucking inch. And then when the training shit's done, everything, you're good. You feel better. You feel accomplished. You got your shit done. And now you've pushed that inch that you fucking needed through grit, through being able to persevere and being able to fucking power through. But bottom line is, guys, that makes you actually have fucking courage. How many of us out here have... On our patch for our fire departments, you got courage on there. I've talked about this a lot because I believe courage has so many different faces. Courage has the you know the ability to stand up for people, the ability to open your mouth and, and say when things need to be corrected, fixed, changed, um, stopped. The ability to say no when you see things that, that are wrong and that shouldn't be happening. That all takes fucking courage to do that. Because you're fearful of the outcome. Well, it's also when it comes to the training, and it also comes when it when it's those scary moments, whether it's at the fire or at the badass fucking rope rescue situation, whatever the fuck, or even in fucking training. It's pushing through to get that fucking inch. That makes you courageous. And that makes it where you're holding up to to the pledge that you made by wearing that patch that says courage on it. Because how can you wear something that the public sees that says courage and they think that every single man and woman that have that patch on their arm are a courageous person and they're willing to, to fight through the fear, to stand up for what's right, to push through those uncomfortable situations or push through the pain to get things done. They think that of you but deep down, you're not fucking handling it. That's a problem. You don't deserve to wear that badge or that patch that says that shit, guys. You just don't. Bottom line. So if you want to earn it, start with the little things like getting that fucking inch. Fighting through either the pain. Fighting through the fear. Get that little bit and just keep moving fucking forward a little bit at a time. Just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. You can be worn the fuck out and you can still move your body one fucking inch. I promise you. If my big ass can do it, every single one of y'all can fucking do it. That's just bottom line. So I hope that fired some of you the fuck up. I really hope that you um, that you take that shit to heart. 
I hope you understand. I'm just trying to make every single one of y'all better. I I want guys to start understanding that the more that we build each other up as a fucking team and quit thinking that it's all about you, that the better off we'll be as a fire service, the better off we'll be as communities and families, and overall as a fucking nation, because Lord knows we need it. We need the team mindset across all aspects of our lives right now. Every single bit of it. Sorry, guys. That... (laughs) Talking about all that stuff, it just it kind of brought back some some pretty powerful memories for me that I'll get into at a later time. But I I just wanted to really kind of make y'all think on a deep level about what training means to you, about what your team means to you, about what your family and your community means to you, and do what you need to do to make it all better. That's what the Third Alarm Cowboys is all about. That's what we've been about since the very beginning. You can go back and listen to our shows. That's what we're about. So, guys, like I said earlier, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Follow or subscribe on whatever podcast platform that you listen to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcast. Go actually hit those buttons and follow us. That way you know whenever I upload a new episode. Guys, November 18th, Houston, Texas. RJ, Captain Nep is coming in hot as fuck. I've been on the phone all week getting some shit arranged from him. We're going to do some big-ass shit at this fight, guys. RJ just picked up some tickets yesterday from the fight promoter. Go follow him at Condemned Saint on, on Facebook. If you want a ticket, either shoot me a message, shoot me an email, thirdalarmcowboys at gmail.com, thirdalarmcowboys on Facebook, send me a fucking message, or send RJ at Condemned Saint on Facebook, send him a message, go ahead and get your claim to your tickets. November 18th, you got plenty of time. If you need to do uh, shift trade, shift swaps, anything like that, get that shit handled so that we can come out in full fucking force as firefighters for him going into this pro fight. It's the first fight of a six-fight deal with a major promoter in Houston, Texas. He's going to be at home 10 minutes from his fucking house is where this fight is going down. So all of you from that area, you want to come out, you want to watch a badass show on the last podcast, I had RJ on. You can go listen to it. But he said there's going to be three title fights that night, guys. He's got some major fucking people watching him right now that are going to make his career in the fight world fucking blow up. If we help him out as firefighters, we show that we support him. I know so many of you do. You've ordered his shirts. I can't thank y'all enough for that. That's what he needs. Just continue to grow his following on Facebook, his interaction on Facebook, and y'all y'all fucking come out and rep all your fire shit at this fight. It's going to be badass. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. I got a guy that's covering me, so I'll be there. That was actually the first day of my shift, and I was kind of worried about it. But I got a guy that committed to doing a trade for me so that I could fucking be there and represent the Third Alarm Cowboys and cheer RJ on. He's a badass real motherfucker, y'all. I've made fires with him. I've made badass med calls with him. He's doing the shit that we do every single day, but he's still going and putting in fucking two-a-days at the gym, handling his shit, and chasing this dream of being a professional boxer and handling everything that he needs to with that. And to me, it just, it just makes me proud to be be a part of what he has going on and to have him on the tag team. 
Huge shout out to all the folks that are on our tag team, especially those of you that are helping me out with everything that I have going on. We got some major shit coming out with the Third Alarm Cowboys. I know I've been saying that for a while, and I'm basically kind of in limbo waiting on some further production stuff that's been happening. Uh, I'm just pretty much at the mercy of, of the timeline at the current moment. So y'all bear with me on that. We still have some hats available, still have shirts available. Guys, if you're coming out to that fight, shoot, you know, Go to thirdalarmcowboys.com or shoot me a message and say that you're going to be there and I will, I'll bring you a shirt that you can buy either on site. We're not going to be able to have a booth like I wanted to because the venue isn't, isn't set up in order. It's not, it doesn't have the area to be able to have booths. So I found that out today. So if you are going to be there, let me know and I'll bring a shirt to you and you can purchase it from me there or go to thirdalarmcowboys.com and order you a tag team fight shirt so that you can wear that to the fight, represent RJ. And then what I want to do is everybody that's there that's a firefighter, uh, probably after the fight just because of how the dynamic is going to be but i want to uh, get a get a huge picture with everybody that's there that's a firefighter firefighter families everybody that's there to support rj we're going to get a huge fucking picture uh done either in front of the ring or somewhere we'll find out exactly where we can do it there's going to be a professional photographer there so we'll get that shit handled and y'all look for us i'm going to be the fucking big ass dude ringside in a fucking cowboy hat so Come up, say hi, let me know that you're there, let me know where you're from, all that kind of good stuff. And guys, thank you all so much for all the support. We're growing, and that's all thanks to you. Continue to share the show and do everything that you can to try to get the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast out there to all other firefighters and families so that we can make everybody stronger as a team, stronger as a community. All right, guys, we'll see you on the next one. Big guy.